0: Last week, and I mentioned it just a little bit ago, but uh, I did my Father's Day sermon. And if you weren't here on Father's Day, dads or men or whoever, um, there's still extra screwdrivers. So I got some back there if you want one. I think they're in Irene's sound booth. That's what I gave the dads for Father's Day this year. So if you want to take one with you, take them home because I don't need 25 screwdrivers. Um, I mean, eventually you will because in church things disappear. But still, um, I'd much rather you take them and use them now. So they're back there. But anyway, as I was talking about Father's Day this year, I really was impressed to talk about the influence of a father. And if you recall, um, uh, the example that I used was in my own life. My son giving me the privilege of pulling out his front tooth with my drone. That's influence, right? I mean, most people won't let anyone tie a object that's got blades to their face to pull out a tooth, but Dad. I mean, that's the influence of a father. And I talked about the reality that every one of us have influence. In the reality that in your life, there's a circle of influence that's around you. There are people with whom you have influence, but with influence comes responsibility. You know, Casey questioned the responsibility I have with influence. He questioned whether that was a good use of my influence to tie a drone to my son's mouth. I mean, we can use our influence for good or we can use it for, for bad. I guess if my son would have ended up with a drone wrapped around his face or something, it could have been bad. But we can, we, we're choosing what's happening with our influence. And last week it was just the, the revelation or the understanding that yes, there is influence, but I, I did kind of feel like I left it out there, like, hey, you've got influence, now go do something with it. God has been speaking to my heart about the answer to influence for a while. God has been speaking to me for a while as a a pastor about, you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say I have influence and then to say to do good with it, but I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, Pastor, that sounds great. I want to have good influence. I want to see people impacted. I want to be able to pull out kids' teeth with drones. Whatever you say. But I don't know how. Like, God's been speaking to me about the how long before I preached about the influence. My brother-in-law in Kentucky, he was able to buy a, a little bit of a, of a farm. And there, a farm isn't like a farm here. So what do he buy? Ten acres or something? I don't know. Anyway, that's enough for there. And it's got some old buildings. You know how in the old buildings, the old barns or whatever, there's old implements that you know at one time they had an incredible purpose, but there isn't anybody alive that knows how to use them for that purpose anymore? Maybe Dwayne does, but that's about it. You know what I'm talking about? Excuse me because the name of this game show, I remember as a kid I used to watch some of the old game shows and there was a game show called Liars Club. Pastor's talking about Liars Club. Anyway, the way this game show was set up was they'd have a panel of people and they'd bring out a random object and each of the panelists would try to describe the object and tell a story about how this object was used or what it was for and then the contestants had to guess which one was right. And so they'd bring up a random object and they'd all have their own story about what this object was for. And one of them was right. And the whole idea of the game was that they had to figure out what was the right purpose for what they had. I'm going to talk about something today that I believe is becoming more and more obscure and implement a tool that I think is becoming more and more obscure in our lives today today but at some point I wonder if we're going to look at it and wonder what it was ever there for. Like, what, what, what is that? It's got some dust on it. It's got some scratches in it. Huh, what? We used to do something with that. I don't remember. Because I believe in looking at the Word that it is one of the greatest tools of influence throughout the Word of God. It's a tool of influence that we'll see in the ministry of Jesus Christ is paramount to His ministry. But we often overlook it. In the book of Acts, we'll see the early church gets this tool. Yet at times we've neglected it. The tool I want to talk about is the table. The reality that I believe is your table is the greatest opportunity, the greatest tool for influence that you have at your disposal. Who here has a table? Just raise your hands. Okay, there's a few people. If you don't have a table, let's go to Walmart or let's go somewhere. I mean, most people have a table, right? I think everyone has a table. It's a tool that we all have. Who knows how to use a table? There's a few of us, and we know how to use it. So I think it's a tool that we have. It's a tool that we can use, but it's a tool that I think we underutilize when it comes to the kingdom purpose God has for us. We're busy, we're hectic, life's crazy. We don't make it to supper. I'm reading, uh, just doing some research for this sermon. I read a a paper by the American College of Pediatricians, whatever that is, okay? And they were looking at the reality of the table. And they said uh, these were the facts that they discovered when it comes to family dinners. Now, we're not talking about church right now. We're talking about the American College of Pediatricians. When it comes to family dinners... You don't have to pull the conclusion up yet because I haven't got to the, to the, to the evidence or facts they found. They said teens, teens that frequent family dinners are likelier to get better grades in school. Uh, they are seven, uh, teens who have dinner with their family seven times a week are almost 40% likelier to say they receive A's and B's. Their language development is enhanced. So there's an academic benefit to the table according to the American Pediatric College or whatever. They said there's a decreased risk of drug, alcohol, and nicotine use. There's a decreased risk of other high-risk behaviors or incident of other high-risk behaviors. There's improved family relations. There's less emotional stress. Teens with more frequent family meals, now they've never eaten a meal at my house because emotional stress sometimes is high. Teens with more frequent family meals have had fewer emotional and behavior problems. They were more trusting and had more helpful behaviors to others. Teens had a higher life satisfaction regardless of family economics. So their conclusion, now you can pull that up. This is the American Pediatric College or College of Pediatricians. When families share meals together, everyone benefits. The children, the parents, Even the community making the family table a priority from an early age can serve as a vaccine against many of the harms that come to children from a hurried lifestyle. Pediatricians should inform parents of the benefit of the family table and regularly encourage its implementation. In a day when digital distractions are rampant, the simplicity of this concept can be refreshing and encouraging to parents. I'm going to tell you, there's kingdom truth in what the American College of Pediatricians was trying to communicate. As a pastor, I look at that and I say, hey, guess what? They're discovering a truth that God has outlined. He's demonstrated. I'm going to tell you, there's power at your table. There's power at your table. You know, and we're talking about families, and you say, well, my family's all grown up, so it doesn't matter. There was another lady who wrote a book, and this was just a social, worldly book, whatever you want to say. In her book, Eating Together, Alice Jullier argues that dining together can radically shift people's perspectives It reduces people's perceptions of inequality. And diners tend to view those of different races, genders, and socioeconomic backgrounds as more equal than they would in other social scenarios. So families, there's a benefit in our family unit. Even within our relationships with people outside of our families, there's something that the world can recognize that's accomplished through sharing a meal. Yet believer, are we utilizing the tool that God's given us? Are we recognizing the potential of our table? Pastor Steve, my brain as God's been speaking this to me, just the potential of tables is absolutely blowing my mind if our tables began to be used not just to store up the mail, but to share meals together, I've been in your houses just saying. What might happen? Families, what might happen? Neighbors, what might happen? Pastor, I'll be transparent. I can be transparent. I don't even have a. Tara was teasing me because the pulpit got moved to the back and said something about being transparent. That's why it's there. And I said, I don't even need a pulpit. That's how transparent I am. But anyway, Pam and I, we've been talking about this. It's wrestling in my brain. So we're talking about how well we do family meals. We don't do them well. I do them well. You know what usually happens in our house? Now, I'll cook sometimes, but when I'm done cooking, I'm going to eat. And whether I cook or Tam cooks, I sit down and have a meal. And my kids manage to sit down to have a meal. But you know who often doesn't make it to the table? My wife. But we're not doing it well. They might be eating with dad, but they need to be eating with mom too. And so we're trying to prioritize her making it to the table. You know we we talked about the potential of a table. We've got a neighbor who lives across the street from us. She's ah, man, I shouldn't do this. So I'm not. She's older. I'll just say it that way. I'm not going to throw a number out there because these are recorded and maybe she listens to them. I don't know. Don't want to insult her. She lives by herself, and we've never asked her over for dinner. Come on, Pastor, that's your table. What would bring value to someone if they're living by themselves than than someone sharing a meal with them? Someone, someone showing them compassion enough to say, hey, you want to come down and, and come over and have, have dinner with us? Yet at times, we all have a table. I want to show you this morning the power of of the table, Christ, Jesus Christ. We're going to look through the book of Luke today and we're going to go through it pretty quickly because I can't go through all the occurrences. But I was reading something today that said Jesus was preaching, He was praying, or He was eating. That's who Jesus was. When you look at the Word of God, Jesus is, is he's preaching, He's praying, or He's eating. As much as Jesus eats, I think sometimes our picture of Jesus might be a little bit skewed. I mean, the guy's always eating a meal. Why? Why would why would the uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers uh, of the Word of God? If the inspired Word of God, why would He direct them to write down all these times when Jesus is eating? Because there's power in the table. Jesus in in, in Luke chapter five. He's he's with Levi. Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. The Pharisees and the teachers of law who belonged to their sect, they complained to his disciples, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus had a reputation for eating. People recognize the fact that he's eating with who? Well, this incident, he's eating with tax collectors or he's eating with sinners. But let me tell you, there's kingdom impact, there's kingdom influence in your table. So Jesus is trying to influence. Luke chapter 7, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house. He reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, wiping his feet, or at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and and wipe them with her hair. She kissed and poured perfume on them. This moment, Jesus is at a Pharisee's place, Having a meal, suddenly God does something incredible in that moment. We've heard the story about the woman who washed Jesus' feet, right? We've heard about the one who had the alabaster jar and and she poured the perfume, the expensive perfume, on Jesus. It happened at the table. Food in Jesus. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. He replied, you'll give them something to eat. This is the miracle where he feeds 5,000. He could have sent them on. Is that McDonald's is over the hill. Go get yourself some Big Mac and French fries. No, there was a kingdom opportunity through breaking bread together that Jesus Christ, he, he took the moment. Something incredible. Let me tell you, sometimes we think it's going to be just a regular meal, but God shows up and does something remarkable. Boy, that's another family meal tonight. What if God showed up? If something incredible happened. Like your teenager talked to you. Something remarkable. Like your spouse mentioned how their day was. Then at times we're, we're not preparing. There's a whole series that I'm going to go through on the table. At times we're not even giving that opportunity to happen. I was talking, I mean, I've been talking about this a lot. I was talking to my friend, he's a pastor in Indiana, and we were bouncing this off each other. And, you know, he has to listen to me when I get these wild ideas and listen to all my thoughts. And I have to listen to him sometimes, but I'm talking too much. So, anyway. And we were talking about this, and I said, Jared, he, me and my wife, we never did this. I don't know, many of you probably did when you got married, you registered for, like, China or whatever. You know how people have their settings or nice where you got grandma's china in the closet or whatever that you never use it's in the closet but you never use it now he's got four kids as well uh, i think his oldest is like a freshman in high school and his youngest is about graham's age i said jared and we were talking his wife's a nurse and i said what would it be like like if tonight you got the good china out and like everybody shows up at the table And you've got the good china out, and and it probably doesn't matter if you cook hot dogs. It doesn't matter because the good china's out. You think that meal is different because you set the table? Sometimes we just have to take advantage of the tool that's before us, and the tool does something remarkable. How complicated is a table? let me tell you how complicated a table is. I can build one. That's how complicated it is. I can build it. It's such a simple tool that we don't utilize. Getting back to the Gospel, getting back to Jesus. In chapter 10, it's, these are all in the, in the book of Luke. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Remember the story of Mary and Martha, and we get this this whole interaction where they're upset with each other because one's serving and one's not. And you know, Jesus, it's all about the table, right? That's what's happening in the background. Is there's a meal that's supposed to be happening that we're missing? Again, kind of in the background, you know, or or implied that that that, that Jesus with Nicodemus, he he, the tax guy, or yeah, yeah the guy who climbed the, the tree. Zacchaeus, that's, I'm sorry, I said Nicodemus, but I'm glad people just make sure you're awake. Zacchaeus, you remember he climbed a tree and, and Jesus, he, he invites Jesus, Jesus comes to his house. Well, I'm going to guess if Jesus comes to your house, what are you going to do? He's going to feed him. he's dead and spending some time with him. They're going to share a meal together. The other Pharisees in Luke chapter 14, he noticed how the guests... Pick places of honor at the table. He told him this parable. Jesus used table as teaching. Where we're talking in, in in Sunday school about Jesus using ordinary objects, we're talking about parables of Christ. He used it for teaching. Have the guests pick places of honor at the table. He told him this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do you take a place of honor for a person more distinguished may, may, than you may have been invited? Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great a great banquet and invited many guests. I'm going to tell you that the table was so important in Christ's understanding that, that He actually used it for teaching. To bring about a kingdom truth. I'll tell you, how important is the table? What does He promise us in Revelation? There's going to be what? There's going to be a banquet, right? I mean, He's already setting the table for us. We do communion. Think about the Lord's Supper. Jesus and His disciples reclined where? What did Jesus use to to reveal who He was? What did He say to them? Take eat, take drink, this is my blood, this is my body. Luke 22, the hour came, Jesus and His apostles reclined at a table. He said, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment. What's going to find fulfillment? What's going to be talked about in the supper? He's going to use the supper to reveal who He is to His disciples. We talked about our place in the body, uh, or our place at the communion table at the beginning of this month. That, that God uses that for us. It's still speaking the truth. The revelation of what Christ accomplished. His blood was shed, why? For the forgiveness of our sin. So I have to receive what was shed for the forgiveness of my sin for it to be applied to my life. His body was broken, why? He was beaten and scorned, why? For me, for you. There's there's something that I can remember. That's why, you know what? Sometimes we, we miss this and we've been doing it here, but that's why we have a loaf sometimes to break. You know we're used to little square wafers that are styrofoamish. We get those sometimes here too. We'll probably do those a little bit more. But there's something to the breaking, to the ripping. That's what happened for us. His body was broken for us. As we're tearing bread, that's the idea. God's revealing a incredible truth just through the simplicity of a of a meal, a traditional meal, the Passover meal. Revelation through. Through the table. Remember the story that Jesus is crucified, the end of the book of Luke. Jesus is crucified and and his disciples are all upset. They're walking on the road. They say, We had hope that, that you were that, that Jesus was the one, but they killed him and they put him in the grave. And Jesus is walking alongside of them. And then what happens? They go with him. What happens? He goes to a table with them. When He was at the table with them, He took bread, He gave thanks, He broke it and began to give it to them. Then it says in the Scripture, their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. And He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? I could go more in depth into some of this, but the reality that I want us to understand, my desire as a pastor this morning is not to get to the end of the road, but just to start to scratch the surface. If the table was an effective tool for Jesus Christ, is the table then an effective tool for you in your life? If Jesus Christ saw it fit to to break bread, to, to share meals with people, and we saw remarkable things happening in those moments, life change, revelation, understanding, transformation, happening in those moments, then should we not be a little bit more attentive to the tool that each of us said we have? I believe your table can bring remarkable influence. I believe your table can bring about remarkable revelation. I believe your table can bring about incredible transformation. But our tables sit empty. Or they sit full of stuff. Families. Prioritize the table. Start there. All right. We don't have to go the whole, the whole game. If you struggle eating together, then just start there. Be intentional about sitting I realize life is busy. And let me tell you this, there's something about being there and there's something about being there. If you go to a restaurant today, what happens at 95% of the tables? I swear I wonder if people talk. Like these whole families, they never say a word. They they hardly acknowledge it. They might look to see if there's an extra breadstick or something, but that's about the only communication they got together. Can you pass the salt? If we don't make the table a priority, it will not be. I'm going to tell you, I believe the enemy has attacked the table. He's going to make your life busy. He's gonna make it complicated. He's gonna make it so things come up. He's gonna make it so you can't get home and, and, and maybe you can't have supper together with well, him. What about breakfast? What about a midnight snack together if you don't get to have dinner? Whatever it is, but being intentional to prioritize and then say that this is a time for us to be together. I was talking to Joe Lobo about this. I've been talking about this a lot. He said, Pastor, he said, I was over at the China house the other day. And he said, the Shattern State football team all came in and they were going to have dinner together. And he said, I guess they all have a deal. Whoever looks at their cell phone first has to pay for dinner. He said, so all these football players, they just stacked their phones up on the table and they couldn't look at them because if you pick it up, it's going to cost you. Well, let me tell you, there's something more valuable it's going to cost you when you don't communicate with your kids. It's not just going to be a football player's meal. It's going to be your kid's life. It's going to be your friend's eternity. It's going to be your neighbor's understanding of Jesus Christ. The world can recognize the value of the table. The American College of Pediatricians can realize the importance of the family table. Can we, church, recognize what an integral tool this could be for us in the kingdom of God if we just started using it? Man. Luke wrote act, so I included this one. The early church understood the table. You guys can come forward because we're just about finished. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds like an influential church. And the formulas, we can write books, we can go crazy, we can try to figure it out. What was the formula they ate together? Yeah, they took care of each other, they loved each other. Don't get me wrong, it was so peculiar. God used that to add to their numbers daily. I want that kind of influence. I want to be a part of that kind of influence. How's your table? I'm going to talk about decluttering your table in the future. I'm going to talk about inviting people over in the future. I'm going to talk about setting the table or or making the meal in the future. But this morning, I just want to talk about your table. How is your table? Because your table is imperative. Your table has the potential for kingdom influence. Your table has the opportunity to be a place of eternal transformation use it pastor I don't know how you're lying I see your bellies we all can handle it I love the simplicity of the table I love the reality that each one of us understands Like, we can do this. Like, prioritize it. Like, for Tam and I, we just got to make it our our model. We're going to get together. Kids might be fussy when mom doesn't give them a second serving right away, but she's going to sit down at the table. You know, Father's Day. Last week, some of you got a text. If you didn't, I'm sorry. We've been talking about this. So I wanted for Father's Day, I bought my wife, this is guys, genius. Put this one in your pocket next year and try it. I bought my wife some cake pans for Mother's Day. So for Father's Day, why don't you use your cake pans? Genius. Don't tell my wife. Don't try it unless your relationship's like ours. (laughs) So my wife said, what kind of cake do you want? And I got on the internet and I started looking. I found a chocolate caramel turtle cake. It's good. Yup. There's power in the table. My wife made that cake and I'm telling you what, there was more cake than we were going to eat. So we've been talking about a table so she starts texting you want to be influential you send a piece of chocolate caramel turtle cake to someone 8 o'clock at night on a Sunday night didn't matter Walk Carrie lived 10 miles from town doesn't matter chocolate cake what Walt and Carrie and Joe and Amanda came over and we had chocolate cake 8 o'clock at night. Suddenly we're talking about God and the things of God around my kitchen table. Why? Because there's a tool. And I just want to use it. It's not that complicated. It's not that forced. Most people aren't turning down chocolate cake you know the ones that did they apologized later for turning it down and then they asked if I had any left and I said nope I want my table to be a place of influence I want your table to be all that God has for it prioritize your table I hope this week that when you look at it you think something different. Like, okay, how? Like what? Who? How? What? Chocolate cake? Okay, I can make me some chocolate cake. Hey, honey. Make me a big chocolate cake. We'll have left open and invite people over too. Pastor said it works. Yeah. Cheryl's got some bruises in her ribs right now. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes God's ways are pretty easy if we just recognize them I'm going to pray this morning I'm just going to ask that you just focus on your table just ask God what, what can happen with mine Like what can you do through mine not what did you do through pastors, not what did you do through the Pharisees or what happened through Mary and Martha's, but, but God, what can you do through mine? Because I want it to be used for your kingdom. I want to see His kingdom influence in my kids, in my family, in my friends, in my church. Father, I thank You this morning. God, I thank You because I can I thank You, God, for a a challenge that, hey, I can manage. A task that I think I can wrap my head around. And God, I pray for us in this place this day. God, I pray that You help us to recognize the tool that's been sitting before us. God, I help that we can begin to prioritize the power that's in the table. God, I pray that you begin to demonstrate. You begin to reveal. You begin to to place burdens upon our hearts for how we can utilize our table. Why? Because we want to influence for the kingdom of God. God, we want to be influential for your kingdom. So we want to use what you've given us and use it wholeheartedly for your purposes, whether it's to to impact our family, to impact our friends, to impact our neighbors, to impact the strangers, to impact the, the sinners and the Pharisees, whoever it might be, God. God, as we just spend some time this morning just being quiet before You, I pray for revelation. Holy Spirit, I ask You to speak, whether it's faces or whether it's ways or whether it's items, God, that You would speak and reveal. God, that we could see the influence of the church of Acts, that we could see the influence of uh, uh, Your desires for us because we're doing the simplicity of breaking bread together. in Jesus' name. It's up to you. You got the tool. Use it. I believe, I don't make these kind of statements a lot. Some of you don't know me well enough to know. God's purpose for our church is to love God, love people, and make an impact in our world. I believe that as we look at the table, it is the integral tool for us to make the impact in our world that God designs. I believe that God has such an incredible kingdom purpose for our tables. My brain, pastors, I wasn't going to share this because it almost sounds a little silly. Sometimes I picture things or I just see things in pictures and and so when when I'm wrestling through this idea of the table, I wanted, I looked on internet, you can find anything on the internet, I didn't find a table lamp. Like a lamp shaped like a table. Like that's what I got in my brain. That's the picture I have that, that in our homes there's going to be these, these lamps, these lights, the light of the world. Our tables are going to be the lamp. It's going to be where that light shines. And, and I got this picture in my brain and I got this one a couple, oh, about a year ago about all these lights turning on throughout our community. And God's showing me that this is going to happen through our table. God's revealing to me that that's, that's the way. Because again, sometimes the influence, how, God? Sometimes it takes a while to hear, we've got to get ourselves in our, I believe that God's going to use this as an integral part of the fulfillment of His purpose for our church. Love God. Love people making an impact, being an influence in our world. It comes through our people. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you prioritize your table. May you use it for what he designed it to be used for. Amen? Be blessed.